Hey, just for our time this morning, I wanted to wait just one week on the Gospel of John. We've been in the Gospel of John two weeks ago. Um, I just did something for communion on justification and what it means to be justified by faith. And I thought it might be appropriate just to take one more week and address to you just a doctrinal item, a truth out of the Scripture, namely on sanctification. Now, usually we're just expositing through the Scripture, but every once in a while I like to pause and just stop and articulate a doctrine, because again, the purpose of our church is we want to build you up in the faith. We want you to grow in the faith. And I would say that it's absolutely crucial that you understand both the distinction and yet how they're separate doctrines, namely on justification and sanctification. So two weeks ago, we spent most of our time on justification. I'll touch on that, get to one thing new in that avenue, and then I want to spend our time on sanctification and what those words mean. First, I would say that A.A. Uh, a. Hodge, who was a brilliant uh, Dutch theologian, back many years ago, said this. He said, you cannot take Christ for justification unless you take him for sanctification. He said, think of the sinner coming to Christ and saying, quote, I do not want to be holy. I do not want to be saved from sin. I would like to be saved in my sins. Do not sanctify me now, but just justify me now. What would be the answer? Could he be accepted by God? He said, you can no more be, he said, you can no more separate justification from sanctification than you can separate the um, circulation of the blood for the, from the inhalation of the air. He said, breathing and circulation are two different things. But you cannot have the one without the other. They go together. They constitute one life. End of quote. And I think appropriately said, you cannot separate the doctrine of justification from sanctification. And yet, you're going to see here this morning that they are definitely distinct. Now, what realize as I walk into these two crucial doctrines, okay, that that they are what we call in, in theology the application of the atonement. They are the application, if you will, of the doctrine of salvation or the, the death of Christ on our behalf. When you came to Christ in salvation, a lot of things happened there. You were justified. You were sanctified. You were regenerated. You were transferred from darkness to light. You went from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God's Son. And, and so forth. You were adopted into his family. You were given eternal life. You were given the Holy Spirit. Much of those are what we call the application of salvation or the application of redemption. But let's begin here just for a moment on, and answer the question, what is justification? Let me just touch on where we were two weeks ago. Justification first is a biblical term. We said in Romans 3.20, it says, By the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. So recognize we're not just throwing words out. This is a biblical word. Uh, By works of the law, no one will be justified. Romans 3.24 says that we are justified as a gift of his grace. 
And there's many other places that I can take you to that word. We're justified. When you got saved, when you came to Christ, when God redeemed you, when he regenerated you, when he caused you to be born again, he justified you. Now, just for the sake of just a definition, what is justification? Well, you remember a couple weeks ago that we said it is the legal act, and we, we meant that, a legal act where God is pictured as the judge in which he declares the sinner righteous in the sight of a just and holy God. When you came to Christ, you might not have been able to put it in terms of words like that, but you were justified. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, at that moment, if, if this is the gavel and God is pictured in his throne room of heaven, at that moment, at that time, he declared you righteous before his sight. He justified you in his sight. Now, there's a number of things that happen there, but let me just touch on three of them. Number one, when he justified you, sin is removed. And for anybody to get into the presence of God, you have to have your sin removed. So that David said in Psalm 32, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Well, very well. When you came to faith in Christ, your transgression was forgiven. God, if you will, let go of your sin. That sin that was holding you, he let go of it. He forgave your sin. And then we looked at all the verses. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed your transgressions from you. So he talks about the blessing of having your sin, if you will, forgiven. It says in Psalm 32, whose sin is covered. God Almighty covered your sin. And so that David would say, how blessed is the man to to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. In other words, it's taken away from you. It was wiped out like a thick cloud. Your sin was buried in the deepest part of the sea. You understand, when you were saved, you might say, and I might use the words, he forgave my sins. That's right. He justified you. In that moment, in justification, he declared you righteous so that Paul could say in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no, what? Condemnation. He removed your condemnation in justification, as it says in Romans 8, 1, to those who are in Christ. And we noted that that was made possible by the cross of Christ. But secondly, not only is your sin taken away negatively, positively, Christ righteousness is added to you. In other words, he not only removes that sin from you, he imputes, if you will, if if that's a word we would say, he imputes into your account the righteousness, not of your life, we don't have it, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Kent Dresdo so appropriately addressed that at Summerfest. Remember, we noted that the Reformers called that an alien righteousness. In other words, it's a righteousness that comes outside of yourself. And of course, this is what makes Christianity so distinct. There are two religions in the world. That's it. The religion of human achievement and the religion of Christianity, which is the righteousness of Christ. That's it. There might be 330 in the category and in the dictionary of different ways that people can get to God, but really there's only one right way. 
and then it's, it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, sin removed, Christ righteousness added, and then every single other religion is working their way towards some kind of works-based religion that when they stand before God, he's going to accept them. But beloved, the simple truth is, is we've all sinned. The simple truth is that none of us are holy. The simple truth is that none of us are righteous. So what Jesus Christ did is, yes, he died on the cross for you. But Jesus Christ came down for 33 years and lived a perfect life. He kept the law. He always obeyed his father. He always did what was pleasing to the father. He always walked uh, in the spirit. He never sinned. The scripture says that he was sinless. And based on his righteous life, listen, beloved, when he justifies you in his presence, he not only takes away all your sin that had been bearing the guilt down on you, but positively and proactively, he imputes to you the perfect righteousness righteousness of Jesus Christ. We just sang it this morning. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking, what? Sand. Our whole hope is based on Christ. In fact, that song, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed, the hymn writer said, be of sin. Remember that? The double cure save from wrath, and make me pure. Double cure is what they called it, and double cure is, as we just said, sin's forgiven, Christ's righteousness is added. And so here, sin removed, it's added. Thirdly, and, and this is kind of where we left off, what's the instrument of justification? What's the instrument? I mean, this is just the greatest truth in all of the world. It's the greatest truth in Kingsburg. Greatest truth in Reedley or Selma or Dinuba. It's the greatest news for Visalia and wherever you might be. Listen, this is the cure. The scripture says you have a problem called sin. Christ removes it. And he not only removes it, but he puts into your account the perfect righteousness of Christ. So much so that as God Almighty is on his throne, if you will, He looks down at you and he doesn't see you as guilty. He already declared you not guilty. He wiped that all away. He removed your sin. Now you say, but pastor, I don't feel like that. Well, it really doesn't matter. I don't really care. It doesn't matter how you feel. What matters is what he did for you. In fact, that could be part of the problem. You've come to Christ, but you never rest in justification. You're living off how you feel. And you're living off your last sin that makes you guilty. Now, you need to confess that sin, but the radical truth of Christianity is he already declared you righteous. He already justified you in his sight. You will never get to heaven based on what you're doing. You get to heaven based on what he's done. Now, what's the instrument? How do you get there? This is the greatest truth in all of the world. This is more important than Tom Brady getting back before game five against the Patriots, right? Those are trivial things, trivial compared to what you'll do with your eternal salvation. Let me take you to the book of Romans. Let me show you real quick. I don't want you to miss this. For some of you, this is review. For some of you, this is brand new. But here you say, how how does it come to me? How do I get this? How do I have my sins removed? Well, it's there in Romans 3.22. It says, for the righteousness of God through what? 
Faith in Christ Jesus. You, you become justified through faith in Christ Jesus. It couldn't be any clearer. Look over in Romans 3, verse 26. It says, It is to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has, what? Faith in Jesus. It's faith in Christ. Look down at Romans 3.28. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles. That's verse 29 I was reading. But look at verse 28. For we hold that one is justified by what? Faith apart from the works of the law. Okay? It's faith you come to Christ. It's by faith you reach out to Christ. Now, I've told you this before, and I just mention it. I was just in baptism class this morning. Of course, this is Protestant theology. You say, you you want sins removed. You want His righteousness added. How do you get that? Well, you come and you bow your knee, and you see your desperate condition before God, and you recognize the judgment upon you, you feel the heat of his wrath, you feel the condemnation of your soul, and you cry out to God by faith. And, and that's how one is, that's the instrument. Now, I've shared with you before, and don't mean to be like uh, caustic here, or um, I don't know, I just, Roman Catholic theology doesn't teach that. Some people ask me, Pastor Scott, you've mentioned that before. What do you mean? Well, they don't believe that you're justified by faith that is alone. They believe that one receives the gift of justification through what? Baptism. Okay? I think I've shared that with you. This is what they teach. It's not like, hey, don't say that. This is what they teach. That is why they rush off to get a little baby baptized. Because they believe even though that baby's just days old, you want to declare that baby righteous. So they don't necessarily need to be born again. You just take that baby to the priest who takes water and sprinkles it on the head of that baby. And that act of baby infant baptism justifies that baby before a holy God. So you have to understand, when I say that it's by faith, that's radical. Do you understand what faith is? It's not your faith. Faith is only the instrument, if you will. Faith is the instrument that you come to Christ. You're not saved because of your faith, your own faith, because then at that point, faith would be a what? Be a work. Then you'd be saved because of your faith. You're saved because faith's object is always in the New Testament in somebody, and that somebody is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you're saved by faith in him. Now, I I do want to say this, that Catholics, if you asked them if they were here, they would affirm that justification is by faith, but they deny that it is by faith, what? Alone. They don't believe, so that's why they better get their, their baby to it. I was in a funeral, I don't know if I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, very typical uh, just to be at a Catholic funeral. I'm I'm just sharing this honestly with you so you don't think, hey, this is just an exercise here. No, I care about you. 
I care about your babies that I dedicated. I want them to think right. I want you to think right. So at this funeral I was at just a couple weeks ago, I went to support our family. I think I mentioned that to you. And they thank the Lord. This man was, uh, I think, in his 80s. And the first thing they say, very common, is we thank you for so-and-so that he is in the glory of heaven because he was baptized as a what? As a baby. So listen, I'm just saying to you, forget them for a second. Have you been justified? Not your family, not your grandparents, not your great-grandparents. It's probably enough for me just to say I love you and just stop here for a second and say, have you come to the place where you've bowed your knee and cried out to a holy God to remove your sin and to give you the righteousness of Christ? That's how one's declared righteous. Now, on the one hand, you're, you're, you might be saying, Pastor, that sounds so simple. Yeah, it is. You say, you got something more for me? No. You say, is that really what it's all about? Yeah. You say, but what is that? That is utter humility. That is utter humility to say, I can't do it by myself. That is utter humility to come to the end of yourself and say, I'm on my way to hell apart from Christ. That is utter humility to say that no amount of good works and no amount of church service and no amount of just reading your Bible is going to save you. That you need to be born again. And then when you begin to sense that you've sinned against the holy God and your life has sinned against him and all it takes is one sin, believe me, you'll drop to your knees super quick and cry out to him as the instrument by faith that it's faith in Jesus Christ. See, what faith does is it makes the sinner conscious of his or her desperate condition. It makes him or her conscious of the tragic judgment that is upon them. Faith ultimately, beloved, looks away from self and it looks to Christ. You say, well, Scott, why is it by faith? Well, uh, real simple. Look at Romans 4.16. You say, why is it by faith? You know, Paul just says it there, and I'm reading from the ESV, 4.16. That is why he says it depends on faith. Why, Paul? Comma, in order that the promise may rest on what? Grace. You see, the reason it's by faith is because it's by grace. God gets all the what? The glory. You know that. You're not saved by what you do. You're saved by what another did. You'll never stand before God and say, man... God, look at my life. Look at the way I lived. Look at, look at the deeds that I've done. Look at the charity that I gave to. You'll get before Christ and you'll just be so thankful that he, he washed you of that sin. Now, that's justification. Go, go listen to the tape two weeks ago. What about sanctification? How, how does that fit into this plan? And this is crucial. This is vital, okay? And I think maybe this is why this was burning on my heart. They're separate doctrines. We've got to be clear to be separate. But they're inseparable all at the same time. So question two, what is sanctification, okay? Sanctification, okay, I'm using that word, and I'll show you in a moment. It's a biblical word. It's not like a, just a big theology word. You've got to know that word. I mean, I suppose if a farmer was here and telling me about the chemicals and telling me what needed to be done on the soil or somebody had a shotgun and they told me what chamber. I mean, you guys have been discipling me with that stuff. Um, there, there's words. Okay, you put the shell. Oh, oh, that's a shotgun shell. Okay, you put the shell in here. There's words. Well, there's biblical words, and this is a biblical word. But you say, what's
What is sanctification? It's just the transformation of the Spirit of God in salvation to make us more holy, okay? If you ever hear the word holy, that's the word for sanctified in the New Testament. To be holy then just means to be set apart so that when God saved you, I'm going to say this firmly, he not only redeemed you at a moment in time, but he saved you to be holy, okay? He saved you to be sanctified. You can't set, you, you have to separate them, but they're inseparable. Justification always leads to sanctification, and sanctification will one day lead to what we call glorification, okay? This is the process of renewal to become more like Christ. In that act of sanctifying you, he always does a couple things, and we don't have time to unpack this, but he separates you from the world negatively. Just because, In other words, when you come to Christ, you're different. All I knew is when I came to Christ, I was different. That's just normal 101. That's like the most basic thing. You say, well, why, do you, why were you different, Scott? Well, he changed my heart so that I can remember. I think I've told you this before. I rode up to my friend's house right after I come to Christ at 14, and I smelled marijuana coming out of his garage. And I just turned around. So well, why did you turn around? Because he redeemed me. He set me aside from that stuff. It's not like I'm trying to pat myself on the back. I don't want to do that stuff. He set me aside, set apart from the world is what that means, okay? And then positively set apart for the person of Christ. In other words, if God saved you, he saved to sanctify you. Romans 8, 28, you are saved to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, Right? Now listen, I'm addressing this because I feel like this needs to be heard. I don't want to be like everybody else who just all they do is talk about altar calls. I've had parents come to me and say so-and-so trusted Christ when they were five at Awanas. Even though they're now in their 20s and 30s, far from Christ. But we have made the doctrine of the altar call in the western part of our world the big thing. But I'm saying within the doctrine of salvation, these two are linked together. Justification, legal declaration of a right standing before God always leads, secondly, to a holy life. Kevin DeYoung said this. Listen, he said, sanctification is a gift just as justification is. That's fair. He said, both are the gift of God, ours by virtue of our union with Christ. Both are found in Christ alone. Both are necessary for salvation. He said justification being the root. Sanctification being the fruits. As it is often said, faith alone justifies, but the faith that justifies is never, what? Alone. Well said. So we must never separate justification and sanctification. The former can't help but produce the latter, and the latter must flow from the former. He said, one calls us, as he's just talking about these, to rest, the other to fight. One reckons us righteous or declares us righteous, the other one makes us righteous. Let me see if I can bring this uh, deal up on the screen there. Mason, bring that up, maybe that chart, okay? Justification is on your left, as it says there, it says up there. Sanctification is on your right. Let me show you how these two work, okay? And you say, why is this important? 
for your children. Listen, I've had moms in tears to me regarding their kids at four, five, and six, even though they've walked away and, and have lived a life that is completely of the world. But these two go together. So watch this. Justification. If you want to write on that left column, just write the word complete. Sanctification. I'm going to use the word progressive. Okay? It's progressive. In justification, he freed you from wrath. In sanctification, he freed you from the reigning power of sin. Doesn't make you sinless, but when he saved you, he changed your heart. And when he changed your heart, he changed your desire. And he then at that point freed you from what we would call the dominion of sin in Romans chapter 8. Justification is objective. God does it. You understand that. He declares you righteous. You don't justify yourself. He does it. But in sanctification, do you understand that? We participate in that. And I'll explain that in just a moment. Justification is instantaneous. Okay? Listen, if you're in Christ, none of you are partially justified. You couldn't come up to me and say, Hey, Pastor, I'm only three quarters justified. I mean, you're either justified or you're not. But when he saves you, it's instantaneous. It is a legal, judicial verdict, if you will, in glory, in the throne room of God where he declares you righteous. On the other hand, sanctification, no. We're growing towards Christ-likeness. Justification, you understand, is perfect in this life. In other words, he justified you. It's perfect. Okay, He removed your sins and he, he gave you the rights. It's perfect. Sanctification on the right, it's not perfect in this life. You're going to sin, I'm going to sin. Uh, the, the other word is the indicative and then the imperative. All I mean by that is the indicative is who you are. It's your position in Christ. You're a child of God. You're adopted. He gave you the spirit. He made you holy. He justified you. It's your standing before God. We call that the indicative. That's your position. On the other hand, the sanctification is, here's the imperative on which you ought to live. In justification, there's a big word there, we just call it monergistic. It means that God does it alone. On the other hand, sanctification is distinct in that it's synergistic. It involves you. You can't just sit there and say, I'm going to let go and let God. (laughs) Okay? You're involved in that process. Justification, you're not. Here in justification, it's a work on us. Sanctification, if you will, is a work in us. Justification is the same for all believers. All of us today are common in that. But sanctification is greater in some than others, obviously. Some men are more holy than other men. Some women are more holy than other women. Some high schoolers at Kingsburg High are more dedicated, set apart to God than others. But some were were all in that process. In justification, there's no works. There's no effort. You can't justify yourself. But you watch this in sanctification. There is effort. It's vital. You fight. You you pray, okay? Justification, it is finished. It is complete. Did I spell that right? That's supposed to say sweat. Does it say sweet or is that the same word? You tell me later. There's sweat. There's work. There's, there's discipline. Justification is perfect at once. There's no growth. Sanctification is imperfect and progressive. In justification, our sin is pardoned. 
But in sanctification, our sin is subdued so that we can obey God, but we always don't do it. Here, justification changes our status, and then in sanctification, it changes our character. Now, these are, you can see, very distinct doctrines, and yet, and yet, they're inseparable because justification always leads to a holy life. So we say they're distinct yet inseparable. Now, let me just make this clear for you, okay? The Bible speaks of sanctification or simply the word holiness that is ours both positionally and then secondly, progressively. Let me, let me explain that. There's a positional sanctification, our standing before God, and then there's a progressive sanctification in our practice. It's very important that I make this distinction for you. First, positional sanctification, just it means to be holiness. It means to be holy. But holiness, of course, includes righteousness. And, and what I want to say, and some of this might be new to you, positional sanctification happened as a once and for all event when you were saved. That's not all there is to sanctification, but there is that. When you believed in Christ, and I'm going to have to clarify this in a moment, when you believed in Christ, you were sanctified. As I just went through, it's complete, it's perfect, it's yours at the moment we trust Christ. You say, well, why is that? Well, I already told you, you would never get into the presence of God if you didn't have the righteousness of Christ added to you. He put it into your account. So not only did he justify you in that position, but secondly, he sanctified you in the life of Christ. Some theologians call this objective sanctification. Or they even call it definitive sanctification. I like the word uh, positional sanctification. This is the work and the result of what Christ has done on the cross. Let me show you what I mean. Everything has the scripture. Look over at 1 Corinthians just for a second. And I, I don't know if some of you are always aware of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you remember when he's talking about how the unrighteous in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 won't inherit the kingdom of God. Doesn't matter what you profess. Doesn't matter what you proclaim. Doesn't matter if you walked an aisle. Doesn't matter who your parents are. Doesn't matter if you grew up in Kingsburg. Doesn't matter if you grew up in a denominational church. Here's the bottom line in 6.9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He said, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. This is a famous verse. Mark this. And such were, what? Some of you. That's how you used to live without Christ. But such were some of you, but not now. Look at the scripture in verse 11. You were washed. Now here it is. You were, what? sanctified. Now, if you want to get technical, it's in the past tense. You say, well, Scott, I thought I have to cooperate with God. Yeah, hold on on that for a second. You will. I'm going to get to that secondly. But first in your position, you were sanctified. You say, what does that mean? Well, right now, He sees you through the perfect righteousness of Christ. Amen? Sanctified. 
It's, it's past tense. You were sanctified. You've been made holy in your position. You say, well, Scott, I don't live that way. Either do I. I forget that. In fact, I just was even refreshed this morning, Brandon, as we were singing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. For me, uh, the Lord brought a tear to my eye because His, His mercies are new. What? Every, I needed that. I needed His mercies this morning just to preach just to say, Lord, would you just renew me? Would you give me a heart for you? But he, he renewed me, and his mercies are new, but I needed to renew that. But at the same time, I'm already sanctified. Look over at Acts 20. Can I show you that? Just trying to show you some scriptures, and then i got to clarify this for you. But in Acts chapter 20, Paul there is, uh, is speaking there into the church and to the leaders in Ephesus. One day I want to go to Ephesus with you, okay? We're going to take not the Holy Land tour. We're going to take the the tour of the Apostle Paul. But he's speaking to the church there at Ephesus. He called the elders to himself. Look at 2032. Whereas he weeps and they admonish everyone with tears at the end of 31. He says, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance. Watch this. Among all those who are what? Sanctified. In other words, it's past tense again. It's your position in Christ, okay? Look over just to the right a few books, 1 Corinthians 1-2. I'm just trying to show you this. We don't talk about this too often, but in 1 Corinthians 1-2, to the church of God, Paul says, that is in Corinth, comma, to those who are, what? Sanctified in Christ. Christ Jesus called to be saints together, okay? When I was in Rome, passing through in April to see uh, Lucho, I went into, I told you I was at the Vatican and went into the four major basilicas and saw a lot of saints all over the place. But as I look at it through my Bible and through my eyes right now, I'm looking at saints right now. You're the saints. And what does the word saint mean? It just means the holy ones. It's the same root word for sanctification or holiness. But you can see there in 1-2, to those of the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified. Can I show you one more? Look over in the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, I mean, again, we don't talk about this. Hebrews 10, you say, well, pastor, what happens when you don't talk about this? Well, If I don't talk about this, because first of all, it's just the Bible, right? So the Bible brings balance. But if you don't talk about this, then you're going to get on your treadmill of righteousness. You're going to say, I'm saved by grace, but I'm going to get on my treadmill of righteousness. And you're going to forget how you're already seen in your position. How God Almighty sees you. Now, the goal is to take your positional sanctification and turn it in a moment to progressive sanctification that becomes more like Christ. But if you don't forget, if you forget this one, you'll become a legalist. If you forget this one, you'll become self-righteous. If you don't, if you forget this position, um, you'll become uh, discouraged. I could just never attain. Well, really? You've already been made holy. Right now, he sees you in this light. The scriptures, look at Hebrews 10. It's there, and I'll bring you back to both aspects. He said, but he's talking about the work of Christ being offered 
And he says in 10.10, and by that will, he said, we have been, what? Sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You're sanctified. There you have it. You've been made holy. So, positional sanctification speaks of a completed work. And the emphasis here is on the holiness we have in Christ through his once and for all sacrifice, our union with Christ. We're in Christ. Now, I would make this statement that all Christians look to Christ alone for their justification, but not nearly many as many look to him for their perfect holiness before God. But that's what the Bible says. And so you say, why is this important, Pastor? Here's why. This is where my assurance lies, right? If you don't grab that one, you have no assurance. You, 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 I counsel a lot of people who never have assurance. And, and part of it is they have a good heart, but they never can get to be what they want to be. And when they see themselves stopping short of what they want to be, they lose their assurance. And to that particular person who is truly saved, I remind them, listen, you've been sanctified. He sees you in this way. And so the blessed truth, though, is this, that all believers are sanctified in Christ, even as we are justified in Christ. Now, let me just make one distinction. This is, you know, it's always hard for a teacher because if you overemphasize one thing, you'll underemphasize something else, right? It'd be like a football coach who all he did was talk about defense, but they could never put any points on the board. You're always balancing this. So let me, let me just share this with you. There is a different usage of sanctified in the Wesleyan tradition, in the Quaker tradition in the Armenian tradition, okay? Now, I didn't say Armenian, because I see Russ there on the front row, okay? It's, you say, well, what do they, they? They think that sanctification can be viewed as a single event, listen to my words carefully, subsequent to conversion, that a believer can attain to a higher level of holiness a level sometimes that is known as, quote, entire sanctification or even sinless perfection. And within this tradition, sanctification is an experience one seeks for in the Christian life and is sometimes able to obtain. So that while most believers would say, I'm being sanctified, some within that tradition would say, I have been sanctified, referring not to the initial break with sin that comes with conversion, but to a subsequent experience in which they begin to know the freedom of sin from their lives. And so there are some people who believe in sinless perfection. One of our own farmers, Dan Jackson, met a guy like that one time. He had a missionary introduce his friend that was with him to Dan in the shed, and he introduced him, if, I, if I'm right, this man has been sanctified. And what he meant is not just the position I just gave in who we are in Christ. What he meant is that this man has reached the point of not sinning anymore, <laughs> okay? I, and Dan wasn't sure to congratulate him or hit him, you know? Um, <laughs> 
That's not what we're talking about here. Listen, follow me careful here. Positional sanctification involves a break with sin's power. This doesn't mean that we don't sin, but it does mean very clearly, listen careful, that God has broken the bondage to sin that once had dominion over us. He broke it. He put God, he wrote himself in your heart by the Spirit of God. You say, well, what about so-and-so who's off living on their own? Well, just make sure that they've truly been saved, okay? We now possess a new mind, a new heart to desire to do God's will. So that's positional. What's progressive sanctification, okay? That's secondly. This is what you would often think of sanctification of. That involves, it's both a positional truth as well as a process, okay? The process of the life of Christ formed in us lasts our entire, what? Life. You never come to the point where you'd say, I'm like Christ in every way. Listen, I, even this morning, I'm like, Lord, you just renew my heart today. Will you just change me today? Would you just give me a love for you today? Would you remind, I mean, I'm not like Christ, and so I'm progressively growing to be like Christ. It is an ongoing process. Now listen, it begins at salvation, but it is also a process where God works in us and we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Now listen, it's not completely ours, in progressive, you say, well, why is that, Scott? Well, Philippians 1.6, I think that might come up on the screen, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will, what? He'll perfect it until the day of Christ. God Almighty is progressively growing you, and he's going to bring scriptures to your mind. He's going to put you in trials. And uh, we, we know that in Philippians, it says, for it is God who is at work, what? In you. However... We are also part of that process, unlike justification where God does it. We also have an active part in that. And I'm thinking about Philippians where it says, just as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. That's where we're active. And you know what? We're out of time.